Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday, by the way. You can instantly tell we are not in the studio. We yes. are actually traveling for the Toyota Tundra. Yes, we're here in San Antonio, Texas, driving around in Tundras because, well, they're built here. The running joke with everybody is, well, don't ding the truck. And I'm thinking, well, the factory's right here. You just drive yes. it back in the side door of the factory and get it repaired and just spit it out the back end. It's the simplest place ever to ding the truck because you can <laughs> literally drive it back to the assembly line and you get another one of those parts. In fact, here's what's so crazy. The new Tundra has a hybrid engine and a non-hybrid engine, mm-hmm. and, and the non-hybrid versions are so new, they rolled off the assembly line like 48 hours before the first press launch happened. Yeah, they are right that here. new. Just freshly squeezed. It's fantastic. So we're looking forward to... We we shot a video. We're looking forward to sharing it. Yes, because we can't... Here's how these embargoes work, guys. You may see videos from other people that have done stuff early. There are always press embargoes where they say that you you can talk about it. But the embargo is always driving impressions. Well, let's be honest. What we exist for is driving impressions. There are people that do videos early and they talk about oh, yeah. the details or the yep. tech or the whatever because that's never embargoed. But the driving impressions and sometimes MPG and, and prices and, and that kind of stuff. Price. Those are the three big yes. ones. So we yeah. are not allowed to talk about it until next Tuesday. But next Tuesday, early in the morning, you'll have a podcast from us and you'll also have this brand new Tundra and its grill on video. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, we've got a couple of cool car debates here. First, from Pearson M. He's in San Diego, California. He's a Navy pilot being shipped to Guam. And we also have Dan M. writing to us about the best project car for a newbie. I love it. What is the best project car? That's going to be fun. We've got that to explore. But let's, let's just jump right in, I say. Pearson writes to us and says he's got a difficult one. It's got a lot of moving parts. And as we will read... It gets pretty complicated. He, he's a Navy pilot, and he picked up a 2003 Boxster S with 56,000 miles for about $14,000 back in March of 2021 in Florida. Wow, good for you. Well, he expected to be going to San Diego or Jacksonville long term, but then the Navy <laughs> said, welcome to the jungle, you are going to Guam. Now, we've had people write from Guam before. We've had Navy we pilots have. write in before that have dealt with this whole Guam reality, mm-hmm. which is... You can get some cars there, but it's not a great place for cars. Cars rust easily. There's lots of salt air. What do I ship? What do I not ship? Oh, I can ship in JDM stuff. All of this stuff relates to Pearson's situation. He says they're they're headed to sunny San Diego, and then they are headed off to Guam. The Navy will ship one car per household to and from the island. Otherwise, it costs about two grand to ship a car over there. And then he just notes in passing, um, besides the salty air and all the sun and all the things that are bad for cars, by the way, the speed limit in the entire island is 45 miles an hour. So here he is. <laughs> I bought a Boxster. I love it. That's the beginning of the what do I do. <laughs> well, he says this Boxster is in pretty good condition mechanically and aesthetically. It's been a great car for him so far. Driving the six-speed on back roads is great, he says, but traffic in San Diego can sometimes be a drag. And his concern for taking the Boxster is that it will be a rough time mm-hmm. on the car And he's also concerned that it just won't be as engaging at the very low speeds he'll be driving commuting to work. His wife has a 2010 Honda Civic with 192,000 miles. (laughs) He's got a 2018 C300 with 38,000 miles and the Boxster. They knew at the time that they didn't want to take the Mercedes, so they decided to let it go. And then they took the Honda and the Porsche to California. But now the big jump's happening from San Diego to Guam. And I get the impression he doesn't really want to ship two cars, mm-hmm. but then that mm-hmm. leaves, where does the Boxster go? So they have the Honda and the Porsche in San Diego, but then they said, wait a minute, we need some good utility for the island, and she's going to be pursuing her master's degree. So they took the recommendation as one of our most talked about cars. They Just got... because we talk about it, does that mean we recommended it? <laughs> they got a Subaru Outback. Is that how Please that works? tell me it's not in a monochrome color. It probably <laughs> is, but they got that. So they'll be taking that to the island for sure. The Subaru Outback is going to move dogs, kayaks, etc. while they're there. But this still comes back to what do I do with the Boxster? And he has listed a myriad of potential options. Here's the options as Pearson sees it. First is ship the Porsche, okay. take good care of it, and savor the moments of driving engagement. Okay, you're dreaming. 
Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. The second option is to store the Porsche with his dad in the meantime and okay. either ship the Honda one way or buy something cheap on the island for the commute. The third option is to sell the car, sell the Porsche, and buy or import something he wouldn't normally drive with that low speed limit. And he also mentions Japan, Mm -hmm. being close proximity to Japan. Yep, yep. yep. And I'm thinking you're kind of mentioning parts. You're thinking about parts availability for whatever you need. Well, he's also thinking about weird JDM stuff that he can probably get there that we couldn't get here. Quite possibly. But if the Navy's shipping you a car... I think you could just ship it from the U.S. or ship it from wherever, right? I, I don't know all well, the ins no, and outs. But, no, but it, ship it from your location. Yes. It's not get something into Japan that you found and then ship it on over, even though technically it's a shorter distance. But that's not really how it works, my understanding. But they're definitely shipping the Outback. So the Navy's going to do that one. It's the what do we do with the other, with the other one. And it is interesting because mm-hmm. we had these discussions about Guam before. You can get weird JDM stuff there. For sure. Yeah. You're on your own dime, but then it's interesting. I'm going to circle back to that because it's fascinating. Well, Pearson is considering importing a Japanese spec Austin Mini. He okay. got to drive one earlier in the year, and he says, shout out to Drew R. He, he got this person, Drew, hooked on the podcast. Thank you, guys. And they ended up swapping cars after our Cars and Coffee. Love it. We encourage that because For that's sure. how you get into new things. Yep. He says the Mini was thrilling at low speeds, but he remembered thinking he wouldn't feel safe taking it on the highway at high speeds. <laughs> but if he doesn't have to take it on the highway, what about the low 45-mile-per-hour speeds sure. on Guam? Yeah. Now, his dad has also offered to store the Boxster while he's away, but the garage spot is currently occupied by a 1955 MGTF 1500 that hasn't run in 26 years. Yes, yeah, so we're going to come back to that key point. Yeah, because <laughs> mm-hmm. he said that you know his 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 dad has toyed around with the idea of a sports car. Dad's so, listening, by the way. Well, exactly. Hello, Dad. Pearson has has wondered if he had the Boxster, would he actually like them even more? <laughs> but he said it would. It, what if it pushes him? This is where I have to stop, Pearson. You and your dad, I have to stop right here at this sentence. You said your concern though is if Dad has to put the Boxster in the garage space. Does that force Dad to sell the MG before he's ready? Now, hang on. Ooh. The MG hasn't run in 26 years. There is no chance (laughs) that you're not ready to get rid of that car. There is no... It hasn't been enough time. If it hasn't run in 26 years, I'm sorry to say this. This is tough love, Pearson and your dad. It's not going to run in your ownership. I'm throwing down the gauntlet and saying that car's not going to run. Mm. Let it go. And I'm saying that independent of the Boxster situation. And we don't know much about the MG as far as how much of it is ingrained in them and what's the the reason for holding on to a car that doesn't run for 26 years? It hasn't run in a quarter century. The the sentimentality of it, maybe? It's that... But we don't know the background. We don't. Fine, but... I the, the sentence, it might force him to let it go before he's ready after a quarter century. Yeah. It's time. The other issue is that he, Pearson probably doesn't have quite enough budget to buy anything particularly nice on the island unless he sells the Boxster. So his budget would either mm-hmm. be about four to $6,000 or that plus whatever he could sell the Boxster for, which suddenly increases his budget dramatically. Yeah, yeah. But he says... You can see there's lots of moving parts. Indeed, he doesn't want to be too precious with the Boxster, but he also doesn't want to be bothered taking it if he won't get to really drive it how it's intended to be driving. I see that. And experiencing those dynamics at higher speeds. And if he doesn't take it, should he store it? Should he sell it? Should he buy something else? (laughs) You're right, Pearson. So many moving parts. As you were giving us option number... Three, which you said sell the Porsche and buy or import something he wouldn't normally drive. Yeah, yeah. The thought struck me about how many other pilots or people in the Navy are in your position. Thank you. And cycling out of things. They've mm-hmm. been there, and I hate to say it, but they're just selling the thing they bought from the last person, and it's yes. now become the village bicycle. But yes. that's okay because. Mm-hmm. It's there, it runs, they take care of it while it's on the island, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't leave the island. Those cars that have been shipped over that people decide not to ship back, 
are there those cars? Do you have access to the community on Guam where you can just say, hey, who's leaving soon? About the time I get there, who's yep. leaving? Yep. I'll buy your car from you for cheap. Yep. You're out of it. You're free. I'm into it. Great. And it'll serve your needs while you're on Guam. I had the exact same thought, Paul, because Pearson, we have had other people write to us that are dealing with the Guam situation, being stationed there. And we have heard people before. You've heard it on this podcast. people are listening to the podcast yes. on Guam. Yes, for sure. Many we, people. But, but we've had great. people before. Hi to all of you on Guam, by the way, as you drive 45. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> yes. but, but we've heard people before talking about, okay, so I'm leaving Guam and this car needs to stay or maybe I need to get this. And we've had this discussion before. I, I am certain, and I don't know what it's called. I don't know how you access it. But I am certain there is some way online that there would be the classifieds for the military that's going in You'd and out of think. Guam. You'd you think. know that yeah. exists. You know those cars. I 100% agree with you, Paul. There is stuff on the island, I bet you, Pearson, that is there that you could get that is more interesting than you expected that has nothing to do with shipping fees. And you can just be, you dropped it out of the sky, literally in your case, you, got, you drove this car for three <laughs> years and then you left. Lot. Yes, he does. Pearson drops out of the Absolutely sky Absolutely he does. <laughs> if that's not possible... If that doesn't pan out, we have other options for you. But Mm -hmm. that should be, I think, your primary investigation to go get a car. Because it will get you into something that you never expected, that isn't you, but you'll drive it for while you're there and enjoy it for what it is, for whatever it is. And then you're clear of it. The next person who comes along, then you're clear of that and kind of keep that thing going. How many miles can you rack up? Not that many. Yeah, there's not that many miles. There's nothing precious about it. You have very little investment in it. It's not a huge it. commute, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. This has to be straightforward. You aren't the only one by any means. My other choices for you involve selling the Boxster. Okay. I am not a stockbroker. We are not financial advisors <laughs> by any stretch. Yes, if you listen to this podcast very long, you know that the financial advice does not come from us. But if you're going to be gone and on Guam, you're going to be mm-hmm. off the, you know, away from the U.S., on Guam, for three years, as you mentioned, yep. is 10% investing your money? Is 10% too much to ask these days? And I ask the, the financial advisors who are listening, mm-hmm. I've heard a rule of thumb about what you're looking for for a good investment is about 10% annual return. Okay. Okay. Is 10% on money for whatever you can get for that boxer? Say it's between ten and $15,000. Okay. Can you get... That much, or just invest those dollars as the car fund, and it mm. will just grow while you're gone. And mm. you just you don't touch it because you could argue with me that the Boxster will go back up. It will go the other way, and maybe be worth about as much as if you invested the money. Maybe, mm, but yeah, we don't really know. For a used Boxster, we don't really know the direction that's going, and it might be kind of the same. And that's just money sitting there, and. It's not being driven, we don't think. Nope. And if that MG doesn't go away, then it's sitting outside and deteriorating. Yeah. I'm almost of the mindset to sell the Boxster because when you come back, there's always future cars in your life that you will be able to buy. Mm -hmm. You could get into another Boxster, and if you've got a little nest egg that is the car fund that is not part of your budget, it's not part of your savings or Mm. retirement, Mm. it just is money sitting there, hopefully growing a little bit, and increasing mm-hmm. your car budget. And so you, when you get back, you think, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you... You'll know ahead of time. You'll, you'll write know. to us and be like, guys, I'm coming back. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's part of your accounts. You just mm-hmm. log in and check it and see how it's growing. And then that's the, that's the little nest egg that's growing. And it's your car fund. In the meantime, you can spend that four to $6,000 almost willy-nilly, just scot-free. If something breaks, fine. I just, yep. I'm at a very low amount. Buy something on the island and because, make it simple. Because of this finite nature of your travels, of your stay yeah. on Guam, yeah. mm-hmm. if you are... See, the car disease is a thing. Emotions are a thing. Yeah. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, you're not going to really feel the itch. You're going to be fine driving 45 miles an hour. Do you guys take cars out in the middle of the night and... Open them up on the runway? I, I mean... The Navy guys are hooning again. Seriously, does yeah. that happen? Do you yeah. get permission from That's the base funny. commander? I like it. it well, I just have to go fast. <laughs> I have to get a daily triple. There's nowhere else to get a daily triple. Can we just have 10 minutes? Can That's we just funny. We're going to get an angry letter from the <laughs> yeah. base commander on Guam. <laughs> like, guys, are. stop it. <laughs> we probably are. That's the only place you can do it, but you can do it safely. And yeah, for sure. That's funny. I like it. 
that'll hopefully give you your fix. But otherwise, that fix is a thing. We know this, and I, I acknowledge that. Driving around, mm-hmm. puttering mm-hmm. around at 45 miles an hour. That's hard. That's, that's going to great on you. So if you do want to ship something, I still say sell the Boxster. Mm. Sell that MG. Sell the MG to an MG enthusiast. Yeah, Dad, We've it's got time to get, get rid of the out. MG. Yeah, I think so too. Get rid of everything and then think about that investment. Save that. and Don't mm. do anything with it and just put it aside. Talk to a financial advisor that can say, I, I need this to make some money. It's a small amount, but let's yeah, make yeah. it make some money here. If you do end up shipping a car, you get one in the States and you want to ship it at a low cost, mm-hmm. ship a fun car that you don't worry about. And I went round and round because you might think Miata is the answer. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But there's also K cars that yes. could be fun. You mentioned proximity to Japan mm-hmm. and you're on a tiny island going 45 miles an hour. Get a K car. Get a K car. Yes. An AutoZam, a mm-hmm. Suzuki Cappuccino. Totally. Call our friend Adam at Sotomoto. Go through the list. I'm looking at his website, all the listings on here. There's so much random stuff. You don't have to worry about this being a reliable, long-term investment. Am I, yeah, you know, is this yeah, going to yeah. be a co- good car? Okay, maybe it's good for a couple of years and then kaput. Sure. Fine. you got something you know, pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. His prices vary, but of course it depends on the car and what you're looking for. Well, but also, if you can get stuff straight out of Japan, then how much financial help can you have of not actually getting it from the U.S. at all, <laughs> just getting it right out of the Japanese market and shipping over some cheap well, K-car to Guam? Well, does it work like that is my question. No, no, I, it's a great question. I does don't have, have the answer. Does it have to be shipped from where you are as if it's your asset, or can you shop worldwide? I found a car on blank continent. Yeah. Ship it to where I'm going to be. I don't know if it works like that. I would imagine it would because I think the... Uh, the issue is that the Navy's only going to ship one thing, but if he's paying for it himself, then let's ship it from Japan. But <laughs> anyway, not? we'll Go see. Yeah. In Japan. If you do, yeah, consider K cars. Consider a Honda CRZ because yeah, good. it's tiny, it's cheap. You don't have to go fast to kind of be having some fun. But the car that has just worked its way into my heart okay. is the BMW Z3. After our experience okay. with our cheap sports cars, we bought this, what we believe to be the cheapest Z3 on the market at the time, and it was yeah. under five grand. Craziness. It needed work. It needed some love. Mm-hmm. But it just ran. Mm-hmm. It did blow its oil, its Vano system, and it needed a new Vano system. But that was 500 <laughs> bucks. Okay. Yeah. Dealer keeps them in stock, apparently, because they just go. And so this car is just so much fun to drive, even at low speeds. Mm-hmm. And it's that great German car feel doing the Miata thing and that's why I love it so much because I see that it yeah. isn't a Miata and that's why I fell in love with it thinking yes buy these cheap and there's every chance it'll run mm. and if you okay. get it cheap enough between four and six thousand dollars and something goes wrong you got that out back that's true that's good stuff Paul Paul and I align on a few things here Pearson but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a few other places in the process Look, you're curious if the Boxster might help Dad become more of a car person. Hi again, Dad. I'm the guy that told you to sell your MG. I know that hurt. But but here's my secondary right. question. Dad, what if you do sell that MG? Because I, I have to say it again, I'm pretty sure it's time. By the way, Pearson's mom right now is plotting somewhere. I'm just putting that out there. She is applauding that somebody outside the family has said sell the MG. Anyway, She's baking yeah. us cookies. And, and I'll she's get, and I'll get the angry package. letter, and I'm fine with it. So, But I think the MG goes because it hasn't run. But here's a question. Does your dad want to buy the Boxster? Only on one condition. If he drives it, it cannot sit. Yes. And that MG has to go. Agreed. It cannot sit because the Boxster needs to be parked in the garage. Whether Absolutely. or not it sits the or MG, it's driving. The MG goes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Side note for Pearson's dad. This is not your car debate, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> who cares what happens with Pearson for a second? The MG needs to go. It's time. <laughs> exactly. the tie, the tie, the, this is the time. We're dad. switching debates. Yeah, for Over sure. Over your dad, and we're talking anyway, about this but MG. <clears throat> the Boxster, look, I, I think... The answer here is to sell the Boxster, unless you, um, and the only way it doesn't, it stays in your life at all, is if if Dad wants to buy it. Right. right. But ultimately, here's here's the tough love part of this, Pearson. I love that you found this 2003. I love that you love it. You got a good deal on it. I'm thrilled that it excites you. They made a lot of these cars. This is a first gen Boxster. Yeah. This is yeah. not. And and please don't misunderstand me. I am not taking anything away from how fun that car is to drive. Watch our, watch our eight thousand dollar. Uh, sports car piece. It's a very fun car. You've got a good one. 
but they made a lot of them, and they're not special. So well, that car sitting, I'm saying, in the grand scheme, they're not special. They're not some, oh my gosh, you have one of those. You have a 2003 yes. Boxster. He'll be able to get another one when yes. he's ready for it. and he'll probably be able to get one that's better or nicer later, especially if he does an investment thing like you're talking about, Paul. So sell the Boxster, yeah. because if it sits for three years, it's going to go down in value. Theoretically, I mean, we're in this weird, at we're this podcast place, recording, yes. we're in a weird time but, and place of car sales and car sales going up. Maybe you get more for it than you thought right now. I th- and that's the other thing. I think it's never going to be cash. worth more than it's worth right this minute. Yeah. And you're in San Diego yeah. where you can sell a convertible year round. Mm. Sell mm-hmm. your boxer for as much as you can get out of it. Take that money to the side, kind of like Paul said. I think that that's an interesting idea as well. But the key thing here is, if you had told me you had some really special car, I'd tell you find a place to sit it for the next three years. The Boxster's <laughs> very the fun. The it's very fun. Yeah, it is. But it it's is. not special. It's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have one of those. Sell the Boxster. Worst case scenario, you can't believe that Todd told you to sell the Boxster. In three years when you come back from Guam, guess what? There's others out there. There you will can be buy others. another Boxster. So I think the Boxster needs to go. Free yourself from that responsibility. What I feel in this email so much, Pearson, is the fact that you're struggling with the responsibility of this car you like. Free yourself from the responsibility. Sell it so you don't have to worry about it. Think about the fun car to come. And in the meantime, again, shop the cars that are already on Guam. Shop some ridiculous K-car from the Japanese market. Something that is small and fun and kind of laughable in the U.S. I think that is the right way to go while you're there. And then when you come back, send us another car debate. We'll find you something fun. By the way, Pearson, is there any way... You know how the, the cops do ride-alongs? Can, can we go with you in one of your jets? Yeah. Can you what take you us for a ride? over there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to you. We'll, we'll go for a ride. We're going to Guam. That's terrifying. Happily. <laughs> Let's go to San Diego before he yeah, goes Yeah, we'll go to, to San Guam. Diego before he goes, for can sure. We, can we yeah. just have a ride? That's funny. I like cool? it. My Garage is a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like and comment and follow and share all your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage important details, photos, records, and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages like ours, and join in on the conversation at haggerty.com slash mygarage. Dan's writing in. He has a question because he feels like he's just now becoming a car guy. He's a brand new listener. Glad you found us, man. He has watched our eight-car piece and our five-car sports car piece. He's suddenly down the rabbit trail of not only our podcast but also our videos. (laughs) He is a fresh new car guy, and so he wants a project car for a brand new car guy. This is amazing. Dan, welcome. We're thrilled to have you. Yeah, it's awesome. You recently bought a 2019 Toyota Tacoma SR5 4x4 with a V6 as their third car for towing a camping trailer. Okay. While researching Tacomas, found the large community and forums dedicated to tacos. He started watching videos on all the mods that people would do, Mm -hmm. which ignited an interest he never knew he possessed. I love it. (laughs) He decided he wanted to learn about cars. Welcome to the disease. You got infected big time. Yeah, he did. He wanted to learn about cars and be able to wrench on his car, at least at a basic level. So he decided he might want a project car. (laughs) That he could learn on, that's fun to drive, and that he could learn to change the oil, fluids, brakes, maybe suspension, maybe a little bit of body work. But this would be a weekend car, not a daily driver. I like it. That sentence still means it runs. It's a weekend car. That's what it suggests. It's not a weekend car to work on. It's not a weekend car that doesn't run like a 1955 MG that sat in the garage for 26 years. Not like that. It's still drivable, even though... It's in progress. Mm -hmm. He loved the idea of a sports car or a car he could find in the under $8,000 range. Okay. So he's got some questions here for a good project slash weekend car that a newbie could learn to work on. The very first car that drew his interest when he was 14 years old, his dad brought a beat-up banana yellow Datsun 240Z home. That's fun. He just thought it would be the most awesome hand-me-down car when he was 16, but then Dad sold it to his uncle. <laughs> Wait, that reminds me. To Dan's of a, uncle. Yeah. That reminds me of a conversation I just had this week. In fact, you overheard it, Paul. Okay. We were talking about cars in all of our lives. My wife was there. Yeah. And we mentioned Remind the Lotus me. Elise. And for the first time, oh, oh, yeah. my wife drew a line in the sand on the Lotus Elise that I did not expect. She said, if you're ever going to get rid of that car, it has to be after our son Bodhi turns 16... So he can have the life experience of driving it legitimately on the road before it goes away. I had never heard 
her say anything yeah. definitive about that car, and she was like, that car can't go until he can actually drive it, which I thought was fascinating. I like that she defended him yes. on that level because he's yes. got memories with you in that totally. car. Big time. It's part of his growing up experience, yes. just like that Jaguar E-Type for which you. Which I didn't get to drive. Which and you never we, got to. And here we have Dan, who had the similar yeah. experience where he thought he was going to drive it, and it went away. It's very interesting. That's a great idea. But then if he does that, you know it's never exiting your life. <laughs> He's going to be like, Dad, at least this it has runs. to stay now. At least it runs. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dan graduated high school in 1990, and his dream car was the first-generation Toyota MR2. Okay. But he doesn't know if he would fit. It would be asking a lot, because he's 6'2 with long legs and torso. Yeah. (laughs) He's always loved the Mini Cooper. He's loved vintage British cars. And he also likes the American muscle. He says, probably out of my price range. He likes old pickups. But he says lately, as we've talked about that 30 to 40 year nostalgia swath, not only that, but that is really the bottoming out level for many good cars Mm -hmm. that start to turn the other direction. Yep, yep. The C4 Corvette ZR1s are kind of approaching that to kind of start and go back the other way. So he likes cars that fall into his high school and college years from about 1986 to 1994. Okay, I like it. He wants the car to run. He wants parts that are available. He wants the car to be fun to drive, which means it does drive and it runs. Yep. And manual transmission, if possible. The dailies are a 2013 Kia Rio, a 2011 Nissan Rogue, his wow, wife's okay. car, right. and this aforementioned 2019 Toyota Tacoma. And I'm hoping you drive the Tacoma more than just being the camping vehicle. But I'm yeah. glad that it's gotten you into things. For so sure. So we're talking yep. about a fourth car. Is that what I'm reading? Is this number four? It seems like Nothing it of this goes away. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, seem like, like Come on. Can't the Kia Rio leave, please? Can't, but <laughs> Can apparently the Kia Rio go away? We could drive the Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, okay. I'm confused. But we, either way, we're looking for a fun car, which is great. And you say... Is Miata the answer yet again? Dan, look, a Miata would work here, but I want to think outside the box real quick. I also would like to note that I actually happened, just because I read through both of these really quickly, and then I connected with your car debate first, and I answered yours first, and then I went back and looked at the one prior from Pearson and realized that I brushed up against a car that Pearson has a big conversation about that I didn't even catch when I read his email. Here's my point. You've said... You want stuff that's a little classic. You're a big guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You like stuff that's British. And I thought of a car with those three factors that I've never recommended on the podcast. Okay, okay. Because it is one of the roomiest big man sports cars ever. But I don't think of it a lot because it is a clash, classic British sports car. Don't tell me. An MG would fit you. I know where there's one that's been parked for 26 years. Different MG, yes. Oh, but but here's the thing. I, I know it's a 1955 I, model. It I, needs a new home. I know it a needs guy to run. with who happens to be six foot seven, and he has an MG, and he's a pilot. He's a former. He's he was a former in, military uh, pilot. Was Isn't he Air funny? Force or Navy? He was Air Force. But, but he, still, he was a pilot. We're connecting all the dots here. Isn't that funny? Oh my gosh! But, but he he's six foot seven. He needs almost all legs, and he has an MG, and he's had a he's had a few. And I actually had his car for a bit and was taking care of it for, for him for a while. It is the only time in my life as an adult that I got into a small sports car and pulled the seat forward. Because this yeah, big guy yeah. fits in this thing with his head in the car. And I get in and was like, wow, this is roomy. That checks <laughs> off the nostalgia box. I know where there's the an British, MG. The British box. It needs work. And the space box. <laughs> so, Dan, that's a little out of, out of the... Out of the, the ordinary for me, and then it happens to connect to Pearson, where he's got this one. His dad's got one rotting in the garage. So I do have yeah. an MG. That's interesting. If you like the styling, I think that's fascinating. Uh, yes, Miata would work. I have a, a wild card as well, but there's two that really strike me here, and you've mentioned one of them already, Paul, and that is drive the BMW Z3. That's it's, such a great car. It's classic car. enough. It's straight six hydraulic steering. No no issues you can fix, but. The nostalgia thing strikes me again, and I go, here. I think what you want, Dan, it's fun to drive, it's affordable, it will need work, but it's fairly straightforward to work on and parts are available. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's from the era you've asked about. Mm -hmm. You need a non-turbo Porsche 944. That's good. 
That's good. Manual transmission. They can look, still be a pain in the butt to work on. Absolutely. But, Dan, here's the key thing. Buy one from someone that it's already running. Now, non-turbo is going to make it less complicated to work on, more likely to run, mm. and cheaper. So buy a non-turbo from somebody that has one that it's currently running. Even if it's not running great, it's currently running. Don't buy a car that's sitting there. And Very then, true. Like that MG. They're yeah. hitting that a lot. There are known issues with those cars, but there are also parts availability and plenty of people that have done lots of work on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You would have all the classic stuff you want. You'd have a Porsche badge, which I think you'd be like, I can't believe I own a Porsche, but it's from that era that you like, and you can work on it. Porsche 944 is really kind of where I want to stop. That's pretty good. I like that a lot, not just because it's Porsche, but because of the driving dynamics. Yes. And when they're running, great. they're running. Yes. Now, there's stuff that happens with those cars. For and sure. they can they're confound old. you. And then, uh, I don't know why it won't start and why it won't run. And there's a stupid part behind the firewall that can only be <laughs> reached by dropping the engine and blah, blah, blah. Okay? It's get, the, get, a, get a wrenching well, friend. Well, it's the <laughs> speed sensor on a 924 that can make it hard to start or not start. But nevertheless, I do like that idea a lot. I started thinking about this, Dan, and there's three categories that this could fall into, but I love that you want it to run and you want it to drive. And the biggest thing I keep telling myself is you just want to do light stuff to work on it, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it just runs. Because you could have a car that you work on. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it runs. You could have a car that you're restoring. That means it doesn't run. Yeah. And yeah. there's a car that you're creating a build, which usually means it's not running. Mm. And it's going to take a pile of cash <laughs> to get it running. Let's not do pile of cash. That's easy to do on the project. Because I went in a bunch of different places in my mind. I thought, well, you could work on a Miata, sure, and just drive it around, and you'd have a great time. Mm-hmm. You could also work on a C4 Corvette. That is yeah, right I in the sweet about those. spot of the era you're talking you're, about. I wondered about those, too. Yeah, I see that. I thought about late 80s Jag XJ6s or early 90s XJSs. Wow. But then I thought, okay. nope, that's in the restore category. That's in the, that's in the take your time and yeah, <laughs> dig in for sure. And then anybody thinking, like me, Mustang, Camaro, Challenger, or Pontiac GTO, mm. well, now you're subscribing to Summit Racing and you're eagerly awaiting the catalog <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> To see what part's available to do the upgrade, and now you're just throwing cash at the car. I like that you define the intended purpose mm-hmm. before you're starting. I mean, you could do a, do a kit car. You could do a build, but that's, that's too much. I don't want you to take that on. You could do the Restro Mod, and it's easy to get into that, well, that part's available, and that would be a nice little upgrade. And I, I like that. Yeah. And I've talked about mods before, and it's such a slippery slope. I like that you defined it first. And then once you do that build for whatever, you've got a budget, and Mm -hmm, then you mm -hmm. drive it. It's not just the fanciful future 800 horsepower or something, and you keep throwing money at it, and it never actually comes to fruition. Mm, Let's mm. stay within some kind of boundary. Mm. Forums will help you a lot. Like crazy, yeah. Whatever car you do choose, jump in there to see, hmm, is this going to be a money pit? Is it going to be a rabbit trail where I'm going to be tempted to do more than I really want to? Or will I be able to restrain myself enough that I'm not <laughs> eagerly awaiting Jags and Summit Racing and searching everywhere for all these obscure parts? It's hard to restrain yourself once you go down that you road, You know, then eBay sure. Motors and then Junkyards and, you know, then you're really off the deep end. <laughs> I thought you could totally refresh a 1991 Honda CRX. I just thought those were cool. And they had great dynamics. They did. They were just Little cool. Little tiny runabouts, bubble cockpits. They're great. So they'll continue running, and you could refresh it to the point where, yeah, it's got a jillion miles on it, but you had the seats redone, and you had the carpeting redone, and Funny. change the oil, and you keep driving it. But is that fun enough? Mm, I, yeah. I also thought about finding a drift car or some JDM car that you put back to stock. Because the ones oh. that stand out at car shows when you and I go, we saw an Acura NSX. Uh-huh. And it was just all modded out and da-da-da. And we just thought, cool, but eh, I'd be more interested in a car that is perfectly stocked. Isn't that interesting? We have reached a place where a lot of those cars, from that nostalgia swath now, what's interesting is the ones that look like they did. Yeah. Because it's the weirdest thing. It's because- like all the cool stuff that sounds amazing. Let's get rid of that. It's that cycle that all these cars go through, though. I mean, when they're brand new, it's like, oh, you have the new whatever. 
10 years later, oh, that's interesting because look at what you've done to the car that's 10 years old. Right. And then 10 to 20 years after that, what you want is the way it was originally sold. Which is the weirdest thing. It's very funny. I can't really explain it. I can't put my finger on it right now. But you see an original, perfect, running, accurate NSX, and you go, oh, oh my gosh, that's perfect. And the one with the screw-on fenders and the the weird modern wheels, you're like, yeah, but, you know. So what if you found a Nissan 240SX and you put it back to how it was? <laughs> like a drift car or some I'm restoring a drift car. That's funny. I mean, that I, is funny. I say that tongue-in-cheek because that's a lot of money. And yeah. is it a waste of time? Well, maybe. Because the dynamics are okay. So what about that Z3? What about a mm-hmm. C4 Corvette? The C4 is a good one, too. I what do if see you that. went after that? Because... The Summit Racing Catalog has a lot of stuff for Mustangs and Camaros and a fair amount for Corvettes. Yeah. But it's just enough where you can restrain yourself, where it's a part that, okay, that one broke, and here's a nice yeah. replacement that's going to be robust, and okay. it's going to be solid. I'd love it if you considered a ZR1, but I just want you to not have to dump money into something mm-hmm. where the guys recommended this thing, and I got all excited about it, and I dumped a whole bunch of money, and I hate the car now. Mm. I want you to just enjoy learning. But forums will teach you a bunch of stuff about what people do, how far people go, and the easy stuff. It's just easy. You know, yeah. the sticky threads up at the top. You've got to buy, Dan. You've got to buy something that is running. Do not buy a car that is a current project. Buy yeah. a car that runs and yeah. drives, and then you have the ability to fix or change or whatever. But you started with something that's not... Because what terrifies both Paul and I is when we see the words project car, and that means <laughs> not currently driving. That, yes. Because it's really hard to get that car and out of the garage. So but hopefully easy. something here, Dan, works for you. Especially being new to the disease. Yes. Get it running. Uh, having it run is almost better. Is it better than having a theoretical project car it, that it is has going to be, to be so much better? It has better. to be running. You can't, that's, that's a bad, That's a slippery that's slope a because reality. we can debate that and we can go back and forth. And I, you know, I've been thinking about modded cars that I love. Mm-hmm. And then you take it further to companies like the tuning shops that are in business just to tune those cars. Well, they have sure. dedicated people and resources to do that. It's yeah. not just yeah, yeah. me buying parts out of a catalog trying to figure it totally. out. Yeah. I've done that. I've gone down that road. They're a company personally. that's doing R&D and building yes. race cars and trying things out on customer cars and making it work. Yeah. Yes, all the Porsche restorers, you know, from Singer, you know, to all of those. Flying Miata. Flying Miata. What they've done to yes. Miatas, you know that stuff works. It's astounding, but they're they're there. They're, you know, yeah. they've yeah. sorted it. They've done that rather than just buying a bunch of parts with a theoretical build in, in mind mm-hmm. and it's it's so easy to do and go down that road so I think yeah I like mods I I also want it to run I want it to I'm almost willing to take less power and less amazing dynamics just to have it run mm, that's good Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season. And my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well. But I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System complete kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Good questions as always, guys. Thank you for that. I will say again that we can't answer questions about the Tundra yet. That is coming. I will answer the only Tundra question that I'm comfortable answering right now, and that is from Drew Arthur on Facebook said, How much do we expect the sales numbers to be affected by Toyota not offering their big V8 in this truck? Mm. It's out there that the Mm. V8 is not in it. They've gone with a twin-turbo V6. And here's the interesting thing. Are we surprised? I don't think we're (laughs) surprised that Toyota has left the V8 out of this truck, yes, there will be the, the V8 is known and loved, and I, there will be people that won't buy it for that reason. But I submit to you this. If they can get a truck 
that drives as well or better, that gives you better gas mileage and good as good or better power, is the V8 a loss? Hmm. I'm yeah. not giving you an answer either way. I'm asking the question. If you can get the same power and enjoyment from something that has a different engine, does it matter? I don't think Toyota has any expectations right now about which way this is going to go. This is a product decision that they've made. So you'll see our commentary about it soon. <laughs> we could have an entire podcast where we answer questions with another question. Yeah. <laughs> well, the does all, it do this? Well, what do you want it to do? The All Questions Podcast <laughs> yes. has got a totally new Just, title now. I love it. That. That's great. All right. We got to talk about James Bond car chases from Ed Hayes okay. asking us our favorite car chase from a James Bond film. Have you thought about this? I haven't really thought about it much, but there's that one from, I think it's the second, I think it's the second Daniel Craig movie. Are you talking about the Quantum of Solace with the Aston? The Aston through the quarry? On the Lago di Garda mountain road in Italy? Yes, and, and goes through the quarry the and gets the door torn off? Yes. That's an Mine awesome too. one. Really? That That's one's great. I just think about that one because out. that one is really, really violent and very, <laughs> very good. Bob M. asks us a couple of kind of related questions, but kind I of related. Yep. to other interests he says what with my design history what art do i prefer or even own you know there's what you prefer and then having the ability to go and then buy what you, what you own. love that's, that's different especially Yikes. with paul's tastes <laughs> well that's a different story yeah it's hard i designed furniture that i couldn't afford yeah i i did you did for outdoor sure furniture that i could not actually buy yeah from an art perspective there's a few artists that i love there's one in particular that is not an automotive artist. His name is Kenton Nelson, kentonnelson.com, and he is in Pasadena, California, and okay. he does mid-century modern, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Everything he does is almost like an icon of an icon. It's so crisp, precise, hmm. and his style is so well-defined. I love his stuff. Huh, Kenton Nelson. I do like mid-century modern design. I lean a little bit further contemporary, you know, a little bit... Post mid century, a little bit, but I do love the classics, Charles and Ray Eames, and of course, all the, the Mark Newson stuff I love. Ross Lovegrove, you've probably heard me talk about Ross. Uh, Joris Larman, he's a Dutch designer. His name's Joris, J O R I S L A A R M A N. Larman. Bravo. And the stuff he does with furniture is just so mind-warping. It's so great. Ron Arad, I love his stuff from uh, 90s and 80s. As far as additional artists, car artists, I love Nicola Wood. Her paintings are absolutely brilliant. She did a Cadillac tail fin series that was brilliant. Hmm. I do love Tom Fritz. He does fantastic, emotional, brilliant stuff. A lot of with Harley Davidson's, but he does some hot rods on the salt flats. Huh. But it's, it's very warm and cool. He really accentuates the warm cool in his paintings. And Gary Meyer, who was uh, an illustrator that I had uh, at Art Center, his illustrations are almost photographic, and mm. he does World War II art. Oh, that's And his stuff of dogfights, and he's got, you know, the Sop with Camels and P-51s and illustrating war scenes based upon what he does and his perspective on things is phenomenal it's impeccable his work that's is, cool he was born in 1934 and his work is absolutely phenomenal that's great there's a there's a sub question for me from bob where he says what is my favorite movie memorabilia from actual movies and he said ideally from the set and not something i bought look i don't have stuff really from sets but i do have one thing that is fairly special and that is when i worked on the lord of the rings movies I was in a weird position where I, I actually was getting approval for footage to go to different departments I normally wouldn't deal with, but the security was so tight on that film. I had some departments I was dealing with I didn't normally deal with, and one of them was the merchandising department. So I was That's feeding cool. them footage, and I was talking with them, and I got a good rapport with the merchandising department. And I didn't ever work with them on any other movies. It just had to do with how tight security was for footage. So when we got done with all the films, and there were a few little trinkets and stuff that they got me, which was very cool, but when we got done with all the films, they asked, is there something that you want? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I work for New Line. I worked on these movies. I wasn't thinking about it. And then I thought, you know, I can think of one thing. Because I had been seeing all the merchandise they've been doing. I think of one thing that I would like that I would never buy for myself. But I just thought, you're asking. I'll ask back. We'll see. Okay. I said, what I would like, if it's possible, is Andoriel, the Sword of the King. 
because they were making all the full-size sword mock-ups that you could buy, and they were expensive, and it feels like this weird indulgence. I'm not going to buy a sword from my wall. I just was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that. I can't afford to. But I was like, do you have one of those? And my contact got really quiet. She hmm. said, let me, let me check. And she got back to me, and she said, here's what I'm going to do. And, of course, you have inner office mail, right? We had a New York sure, office and an L.A. Sure. office. You could send stuff through the mail. She's like, I'm not going to send it through inner office. But I have three that are proof-of-concept samples. I mean, these are actual, real they, they, steel... They look just like the ones in the movie. They're not the movie props, but they look just like the ones in the movie. They don't have the balance of the ones in the movie, but they sure, look just like that. Sure. But these are the ones you could buy from the official like store, right? But they weren't out yet. And they had, like you, like you know, Paul, when you make something, mass-produce something, you have your samples that are like, this is the proof of concept, what are yeah, these? She said, yeah. I have three of those. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to send you one. So I have that sword in my office, yeah. and it's something you certainly could buy. It's but huge. I, it is huge, and it's heavy. But I also like the fact that it's like that final run of the test ones, and they gave it to me, and that I'm pretty proud of having that. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. Let's see. Jesus T. on Facebook says, a quick question about the Tundra. And every new 2021 or 2022 car... Mm. What's up with the square fenders for round wheels? You've been talking about this, Paul. It's good. This is a trend. You're Mm -hmm. noticing a trend Mm -hmm. that defines modern car design. And you can almost point to it from every era, from every five to six years of a generation of a car, and then how that inspires something else. But you'll see, we went through a Range Rover phase. We went through the the front intake phase, just behind the front wheels. Yes. The any, quarter panel intake sort of, everybody had. You know, quarter panel there, sort of, you know, a vent or an intake or, you know, an air exhaust or yeah, an air yeah. flow through, something like that. You're seeing the manifestation of current tastes, mm. at least what is def- defined by manufacturers. And you'll see it on the new Subaru WRX. Yeah. You'll see it on the Lamborghini Urus, mm-hmm. and you're seeing that designers are looking at everything else every everybody's yeah, doing. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. picking up cues and saying, well, does that work? And that's kind of what people are liking in modern taste, and it looks kind of like a fresh take on things. Mm-hmm. And here we're finding it on the Tundra, too. Craziness. I can't believe it's there. One last truck question, but not specifically related to the Tundra. Peter, are you there on Instagram? says, what full-size truck comes the closest to having a halfway decent driving dynamic or steering feel? He says, or are they all just the same and bad? <laughs> Peter, honestly, here's the one that really surprises when we drove pickups in Atlanta a couple years ago, and it still surprises us. The current Ram 1500 has the best ride and best dynamics of any truck I've driven in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. And we've driven mm-hmm. a lot of all, all sizes. That one is genuinely impressive, and the interior is genuinely impressive. They have an actual, you know, traditional five-point coil suspension back there. It's, it, so they have just done miraculous things with the ride quality and the dynamics of that truck compared to everybody else out there. We're not the first to say it. We won't be the last. But that is the one that stands out, even though in general, two things are true. You have the solid rear axle for towing, and that really limits your quality of driving comfort mm-hmm. and also the fact that in general all trucks are trying desperately to get nicer so both of those things are truths but i still think that the ram is out front a few more design questions here max on twitter says paul is it just me or does the new rolls royce boat tail from straight on so the front elevation look like it's a chevy camaro that killed a phantom is wearing its skin <laughs> well what i love is you're seeing that graphic defined by a huge mm-hmm. grill and the size, the difference in proportion of size between the grill being the main thing, the first thing that you see, it's just like doing any painting. You want the first, second, and third reads. Sometimes it's used doing uh, perspective. So you have you know, foreground, middle ground, background, or maybe yeah, the middle yeah. ground is where you want the viewer's eye to read. And you want, that, you want to lead the viewer's eye through the image. Same kind of thing with design, especially a product like a car. You want the viewer's eye to go to one thing first. What does your eye go to? The grill. The Mm. second thing is what you believe to be the headlights, although that is the signature lighting element. Rolls-Royce has played with those being headlights, but actually the, the main headlights are below that. 
And it's a little bit disconcerting to see that the first time because that's a second or tertiary read. Mm. Same thing with a painting. You've got the, the first read, the first image. You see the composition. Second read, you see the characters or the, you know, one of the main large things in the painting. And then you start to notice details way back in there, way back in the painting. Same kind of one, two, three level hierarchy with this. But you're right. It's every car designer looking at what's successful and what looks mean what what do i want this to say well the camaro has that kind of look how can i refine that so it's a little bit luxurious and not quite so angry how can i back that off a bit sketch 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 you know come up with ideas iteration constant iteration and that's what they've landed on i do have to come back to the james bond thing because i think i have to say this one otherwise somebody's going to to riot and they're probably going to be another lotus lover <laughs> okay. like me there is the Roger Moore famous white Lotus Esprit chase that results in a car into the water. True. There is you that. Have to, I have to there bring that one that. up. It's not, here's the thing, it's not nearly as good of a car chase as the Daniel Craig one. And also there is a lot of sped up footage to make things look fast. That is the era yeah. when they were doing that yeah. and thought they could get away with it. But you wind up with taking a Lotus Esprit and it has fins come out of it and we drive it around in the water and then we drive it in classic Roger Moore fashion. We drive it up onto the beach and he tosses a fish out the window with a stupid quip. That's, that's <laughs> got to be up there. On Instagram, Dam says, What is up with that front grille and the emblems getting bigger and bigger on most modern cars? Well, you're seeing a very concerted effort by almost every design team to differentiate themselves mm -hmm. and make it memorable and recognizable and definitely make the one, two, three read. What is it? The style of vehicle. It's a pickup truck. Next is what does the grill say? What is that shape? It, is that going to be a, a thing in consumers' minds that I mm. instantly associate that shape with that brand? If they can, they're very successful. BMW has kind of overemphasize that at this point but every car manufacturer <laughs> including the badges and the grills it's in your face it's memorable it's so big you don't have to squint you don't have to what is that now nope it's in your face it's so big guys thank you for all your questions we really appreciate it we'll be back in the studio for the next podcast mm -hmm. and keep coming keep giving giving us your and keep giving us all of your Topic Tuesday ideas and your car debates and your car conclusions. We're looking forward to doing another Car Conclusions awesome. episode soon. And we sure appreciate all your support. Got a lot of fun stuff, and we're already in Season 10 TV planning. Thanks, guys. Cheers, everyone.